Hello, everyone. This is Reb Brad, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Muhammad Ali, the famous boxer, once said, The fight is won or lost far away from witnesses. Behind the lines, in the gym, and out there on the road long before I dance under those lights. Well, Ali was right, and today on the podcast, we're going to look a little bit into the, what preseason looks like for a professional footballer. And we have a special guest to give us insight on that very thing today on the pod. So don't go anywhere. We talk about powering through preseason with midfielder Dylan Powers right after this. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner. Goes towards the near post. And you're the angle. And what a goal! What a goal! Hello, everyone. Today, I've got a special guest and friend, Dylan Powers, with me. Welcome to the podcast, Dill. Glad to be here. Thanks, Rev. Thanks for having me. Well, a fun little tidbit. We're recording this on Tuesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Uh, Dylan, it's your birthday. And I'm just curious, what's it like to have your birthday on Valentine's Day? What's it been like for you? I mean, you had to live your whole life this way. Yeah. Um well, I've known no other way, but I would say that it's always felt a little bit special because everyone usually remembers it because it's pretty it's pretty easy to remember in conjunction with the holiday. And as I've gotten older, it's been nice because it's taken a lot of the pressure off of Valentine's Day for me personally of like really coming through with, you know, the elaborate flowers or the oh. perfect uh, the perfect dinner date. So now actually <laughs> my wife, Nina and I, we push, we push Valentine's day six months down the road to make way for my birthday. So that then we have an August 4th, I think it's August 14th, Valentine's day where we can get any dinner reservation we want and flowers are cheaper and, <laughs> and we can celebrate uh, my birthday. So. Oh, that's, that's, kind of- that's brilliant. I, I think I'm going to go home tonight and ask my wife if we can push uh Valentine's six months down the road and and see if that would help. She might ask for two Valentine's day. Actually, August 11 is our anniversary. So then I can like double dip there a little bit and just kind of put a little bit extra. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's great. Well, thanks for that insight. And uh, you know, it's funny too, because I tried getting John Burner on the pod with you as well. He shares a Valentine's day birthday. Um, So I think that's, that's pretty fun. And it's always good to have a, uh, a birthday buddy as well. So uh, we'll, we'll probably burner. If you're listening, we'll, we'll probably share some stories about you, even though you're not here. So, uh, and just have some fun at your expense. So, but um, Dylan, Hey, in a few short minutes, um, some folks may or may not know your story. Give us your soccer background, your, your career, you know, where'd you grow up? Where'd you start playing? What did, what did playing soccer look like for you? Um, what got you your start? Why, why soccer? Why not any other traditional American sport? And uh, yeah, just give us give us a little bit of rundown on some of those things. Yeah. Um, well, some people don't know this, but I grew up in a, a soccer household. My dad played professional soccer uh, in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And 
uh mostly in the indoor circuit uh was that the misl misl it might have been the cisl at one point too um but that's kind of what i grew up in was like this kind of the heyday of indoor soccer where you know they're selling out stadiums of you know like basketball arenas basically and they were these really exciting you know high scoring games to go to and with songs and dancing and all types of stuff so I was I've, kind I've, of... I've heard some stories about about this day. You know, I've heard about guys chugging beers in the locker room at halftime, and it was just sort of, a, I don't know if that was your dad, but I've, I've heard some colorful yeah. stories at times about sort of the entertainment culture around Indoor Soccer yeah. League. Yeah, there was a lot of, there was definitely a lot of entertainment culture. And as a kid, I was <clears throat> very easily entertained by that and kind of fell in love with the, the sport through that kind of, uh, I guess, that medium and um so that i was kind of hooked from a young age like you know i'm not going to say i was brainwashed into playing soccer but i was never going to play anything else like realistically uh and the the home videos really proved that um so i was really fortunate to like have that um upbringing and my dad was also a youth coach so like he kind of helped me along and was my for the majority of my youth career was like my coach, um, which I think could have gone one of two ways. Like, I think you hear stories of like overbearing and over challenging ex ex players that are, you know, trying to get their live through, live through their kids again. And my dad was very good about like asking me questions, really nurturing my development in like a, at my own pace type of way which I'm extremely thankful for because I think he could have easily, you know, led me, led me astray and led me, or at least like turn me off to the game. Um, so that was kind of like the context that I grew up in Texas, which is Dallas, Texas has a pretty good, you know, soccer uh, scene. And um, so I was challenged. I was able to kind of, you know, play up in some age groups to, to really foster my development and, and had uh, some, early success with the youth national teams that really exposed me to um, a lot of good competition and, and a lot of challenges too, like of, you know, all of a sudden being the best in, in your team. And then all of this, and then going from that to like feeling like I'm, I'm not cutting it here. And like, what are people going to think of me back home and all the kind of identity stuff that starts at that age that, that does kind of, you kind of carry that baggage with you through your entire career. So that was, that's kind of how my youth career developed. And I decided to uh, go to Notre Dame for college. Uh, and um, that was also kind of a very formative experience. I got to play under Bobby Clark, who was a, wow. you know, a really quality uh, college soccer coach who was really more than a coach to a lot of people. Um, so that was a very special experience to, now- to play under him. Now tell us about Notre Dame because was uh, was the academy culture in Texas was that quite formed yet where that was a, a strong opportunity for you or or did Notre Dame feel like the the next best best step? I think that like my senior year was like the first year of academy like they introduced the academy system and it was pretty rare to like jump straight from high school to the profession. The links between the professional teams and the academies were kind of almost uh, just, I don't know, in name only. Sure. Um, 
So really the, the path always seemed to be at least like a year of college. And even I remember telling my parents, like, I just want to play a year. I want to go pro. You know, I was definitely like wanting to get on with my professional career because that's, you know, being in the youth national team, that's what everyone's talking about. And that's kind of what's stimulating everything. But I find myself at Notre Dame and um, I'm extremely thankful for that that happened. And, you know, I don't know exactly how I, how I ended up there. Um, I think I fell in love with, you know, the campus and was really sold like a sold on the values that Bobby Clark, you know, cared about. And, um, <clears throat> and I had a good friend going there who I ended up playing with at the Rapids grant and Castile. So that kind of yeah. helped, but, um, yeah, my time there was really special because I, I think I tell people a lot that like I got to experience being a young player on a team and a middle of the road player and then like a, a leader on a team too, which a lot of younger kids in the academy who kind of go straight to the professional environment, it's easy to get like pigeonholed as that young kid, young kid, young kid. And I think it was nice for me to have the experience of taking ownership of a team and um really feeling the response, the personal responsibility to kind of, um, you know, lead, lead by example. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. And, uh, you, you mentioning, uh, Bobby and, and Grant as well reminds me, Greg Dalby was an assistant coach with Notre Dame as well. And he had, uh, some time with Rapids and he and I have a, a good friendship. He just got the head head coach job in Oregon. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, for those that don't know, it is a small world and it's a, it's a family and sometimes family get along and sometimes family don't, but, uh, it's, uh, it's really unique in that how interconnected and, and close and tight it is. So Notre Dame, um, you go on, you get drafted by Colorado Rapids. That's how you and I met. Um, yeah. Talk about that experience. Uh, I forget where draft day was, uh, was, was that 2013? Yeah, that was right. Is that Baltimore? Um, or was it, usually it's in a cold place but uh, uh it might have been like indianapolis or something oh yeah yeah you might be right I, there yeah i'm not entirely sure i can't really remember but um yeah it was uh that that whole experience is kind of surreal like kind of like felt like a dream and um it, i didn't like it like not knowing where i was going to end up and then finally getting chosen by the rapids and having home was nice and i had a kind of a previous history with Oscar Pereja, who was, you know, our first coach there being from Dallas and, um, no, you know, knowing him from playing against him, some of his teams, some of his youth teams. And he, you know, that's, I think one of the reasons he, he brought me along cause I gave him fits in the Dallas <laughs> area. Um, yeah, he, he had his eye on you. Yeah. Uh, he was tired of losing to me. So he decided to <laughs> have me join the team. Uh, but that was, you know, my first year was like, it was such an interesting experience. Like just one being paid to play soccer officially and that being my livelihood and like going from like a college program where it feels like very much about the team and like collective goals to like all of a sudden, like, yeah, we're on a team, but we're all individuals fighting for our jobs and our lives. Like there's this ruthlessness to the professional game that I think it, you know, that's one of the biggest um changes i think as you progress through the sport is like all of a sudden there is this nature to it that like okay this is this is a sport and it's something i love but at the same time this is like this is a job this is real and that's when you see that kind of 
that real the competitive level just like ramp up you know <clears throat> a lot so so that was so would def- you yeah real quick would would you say did that competitive shift that change did that did that take away joy the joy of the game for you i i imagine that affects people at different levels and and maybe to a certain degree it took some of that away but what what would you say to your love of the game did mm-hmm. it did it was it harder or did that come on the longer you were in the pros longer you've been in the pros how, how did that feel for you yeah i think it's a good question because i think a lot of guys struggle with it i think it does take away from your general enjoyment of the game because you uh it's you just feel a pressure a pressure to perform and so when you know maybe growing up it it is a little bit more about the the flair and the the feeling and the you know the passion and and then it it starts to get weighted a little bit more towards performance and results and when that comes in it's very natural to like to to value less your enjoyment um and be like, okay, I got to get it done. I got to get it done because if not, I'm not going to be playing. If not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a job next year and I'm not going to be in this sport. And it's kind of a, you know, that's how it affected me. I don't know. I imagine that's not everyone's experience, but I I remember from an early age, like professionally, it's like, I felt that. And I also felt a lot of anxiety around, you know, perform, you know, just that, that element, like of, like every single day uh, I had to show up and every single touch felt like it, it was determinant of, you know, what would happen on in the weekend or if I would get selected for the team. And so I think initially there was a little bit of like a um, response that I had that was like, um, it was kind of tough to man- to to manage and balance. And as you kind of go throughout your career, you start to understand that like, you have to bring some of that enjoyment back. And sometimes mm. you kind of have to like kind of cultivate it. Like, cause it might not be as natural. Um, at least this is, this is my own experience, obviously, but I, there's been times where it's like, you have to remind yourself to enjoy the game because the realities and the pressures of results can really start to get heavy. What are some of the ways that you were intentional or you've striven to be intentional? You've grown through that intentionality to, to get to that point where you get back some of that, that feeling of enjoyment and love and passion that maybe is, has to be cultivated differently in the, in the pro environment. I've always been like, try to be very intentional about how I show up to training. And at some point it almost becomes a necessity because whether it's burnout or it can, you know, to, to not have any enjoyment in your game can actually hinder your performance, which is the irony of it. Um, you know, I remember one, one preseason, I think it was like 2017. So this would have been like four years into my career, maybe five. And, uh, I, I, I remember I was like, okay, like I felt a little bit like burnt out and like, like I didn't, I didn't have that kind of, I needed something else. I needed a different fuel source. I needed to get more in touch with that love. And I remember going into preseason and be like, all right, two things. My intention is like, I want to be, I want to be the hardest working player on the field. And I want to be, I want to enjoy myself. Like that's it. 
that is it. Instead of like, you know, I would otherwise I would have gone out there and been like, you know, like with different intentions, maybe more technical, tactical, or like performance based. Like, you know, I want to score in this session or blah blah blah. But like, I remember going into that preseason, preseason keeping it very simple, and being like, I want to work hard and I want to just enjoy it. And it was like, it was fantastic. Like I remember not only did was I felt like I playing at the top of my game, like I was like having such a great time. And like, that was like a special kind of experience for me, but I will say it really only lasted into preseason and then like into a little bit into the season because then results come back in and performance and oh oh shoot like i'm not playing this weekend i got dropped from the team oh i might be traded like and then it's like this is where the heaviness of the game comes back in so i feel like cultivating that in a in a long-term way is very challenging um and sometimes it's as simple as playing with you know just just like having a laugh with your teammates you know enjoying that part of it enjoying the banter or just like being out and reminding yourself like about the concept of play, you know, just like maybe not, maybe not between the lines or like during the whistle, but let's like, let me just like play like I do as a kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that, uh, you know, that relational impact with your teammates. I remember 2016, um, the, the team vibe with Rapids was, just really tight. I mean, guys were barbecuing together. They were playing golf. They were spending time together uh, off the pitch. And there was just this relational depth. And, and I remember telling, um, I think it was Pablo. I remember, Hey, you know, this feels a lot like 2010 when the, then the team won uh, the championship. So I, w- I wonder how much of that 2017 you're coming off this, a great year really um, didn't quite get to where you wanted to, I'm sure, but 2017 coming off and coming into preseason, um, yeah, that uh, that feels that. And I've noticed with the teams that I've served in the years when when people were more relaxed and spending time together, just felt like the club was doing doing well. And uh, has that been your experience in the other teams that you've played with before too? One hundred percent. 100%. How, how do you coach that? How do you get that? Right. Like, I think that's a big challenge as you said. I don't like, I, I kind of think that's on the players a little bit. And I think the club can maybe do things to foster that, like by making connections. Cause there is this, like one of the challenges is there's players in, there's players out every year. Like it's not, there's not this perfect continuity, which would I think make things easier, but it's about having the right people on the bus. And then I think as a, as a group, you have to be intentional about that and understand that uh, the, the better relationships you have off the field, it makes a difference on the field. And I think people don't respect that concept enough. I don't think, and I don't think it's talked about enough from like, you know, we talk about X's and O's all the time, but we don't talk about chemistry we talk about field on the field chemistry, but we don't talk about how off the field chemistry affects on the field chemistry. And I, you know, I remember one of my coaches, James O'Connor in Orlando, he was, he kind of harped on this point a little bit. And he was like, he's like, I think he was talking about his, his time in England. Like he played with a guy in the midfield, him, him and the other guy were like really good friends. And there was this other guy who they, 
that came on and you know his friend was kind of like standoffish to him he didn't want him kind of to ruin that with the thing they had and and james said like he still decided to cultivate a relationship with this other guy and when him and this new guy played together they were able to work well together where the other two weren't and because of that they were able to like you know stay on the field and um you know find a partnership together and i think that story hearing that and my own experiences made me understand that even if like you know you have a natural fit with some guys and you don't necessarily with others but like there's always common ground to find and just spending time together i think can can help that process so what i've tried to do everywhere i've been is to as much as i can like foster that within my individual relationships but like trying to get guys together to just be together and i'm that's something i'm i'm actively doing right now with a a lot of new players here in orange county nice so so you're playing orange county blues uh this is how, how many years have you played with them well it's orange county soccer club now since okay they changed, they changed names several years ago. Uh, I, I've i played uh, – I came into the Orange County Soccer Club in 2021 summer after some time in Scotland, and uh, I played the rest of the season with them in 2021. It was a championship season, so it was kind of a special one. And then I did not re-sign with the team, and I came back the following summer, halfway through the year, um, which was last summer. Um, so I've – been on the team a collective or like a total of one year but kind of two different stints and okay. I'm, I'm still you know continued on past last year and this isn't the first time i've actually been in the door for preseason and kind of at the start of things so it's it's kind of nice to feel like i'm a part of it from the very start um to be able to you know start to make those um inroads and, and be a connector of the team nice Nice, nice. Um, you, we're going to touch into preseason a little bit more. You've you've already said a few really helpful things, I think. Um, but Dylan, give us a sense of um, in the span of your career up to now, uh, what are some special moments or memories? And you're like, I'm going to treasure this. I'm holding on to this. This this helps me get through a preseason grind. Is is this moment? I reflect back to it. It gives me maybe some energy to to put my boots on one more time and, and trudge through something that's, that's challenging or difficult. What, what would you say? Is there anything like that that you kind of mentally, emotionally kind of hold on to? And you're like, yeah, that was a special moment, special time. Um, like a special time in my career that kind yeah, of pre- sure. like hold on to, you know, I do remember like, there's been a few times where, I've been, I remember one time, particularly in Colorado, and I think it was either preseason or early season, and we were training on the, 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 the game field. And it was a nice Colorado day. Sun was out, but it was cool. And like, we're kind of in our sleeveless. And I was just like, I was just like, this is just really like coming out here, exercising our bodies. Like I, I'm around a bunch of guys that I love. Like, this is like, really special like i i'm thankful for this um this moment and so like i guess it's gratitude that is one thing that has been a very kind of a a source of sustainment or sustaining me in in my career and i think i think back to moments like that and sometimes i'm able to 
you know, put a quick pause on what's actually happening and just kind of look around and just be like, you know, have these, these moments of gratitude or maybe they're even grace. Um, and to, to just be like, you know what, like, this is, I'm happy to be out here and I'm happy to kind of, you know, there could be a lot worse places to be. And so that's, that's kind of a special thing just to be out, out on the grass, breathing, playing. Like I, I definitely feel, feel that sense of gratitude. And sometimes that gets lost and sometimes it's more, it's more prevalent than others, but um, that's, that's a special Dill, if you were to rank gratitude, maybe we could say some mindfulness exercise or grace, as you even use that word, if you were to rank that in terms of, you know, the compliments to a person's game, right? You, you have technical side, you have tactic side, you, of course, there's physical, athletic ability. Um, but if you were to put gratitude in there, like, what would you say to a younger player, um, in the game today and you would say hey start doing start at this place to to implement this uh a practice of gratitude like what what is that for you did because it sounds like you've encountered this later on right did you did you have gratitude moments playing you know in in texas as a young kid and then notre dame or when did gratitude really come into the picture for you um Honestly, probably not till like later, like maybe either at the start of my professional career or after when I probably read a book or two that kind of made me appreciate the concept of it more and maybe learned about the the science that backs up how gratitude how powerful gratitude is. Um and it's I've always like when you really get connected to it to whether it's through a you know a moment that happens to you or whether it's through an intentional practice in the morning or you know when you have some quiet time like it's an antidote to anything bad that you're feeling mm. and i think it's it can be because of that it's like super it's such a powerful and desirable feeling to get in touch with but i think sometimes we don't um we get too distracted in our day or we're too rushed that we don't slow down enough to really just take even like 10 seconds to just be like, thank you. You know? And so that's, I guess I've learned that practice a little bit over time. And I think it's a little bit more retrievable for me. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's, I can get a bit disconnected from gratitude. And that's when I know maybe I'm a bit out of line. But for me, <clears throat> gratitude can be, um, it's a superpower, honestly. Because mm. it's not just for that, but there's one other, like, I think there's also, it can be used as well, like, when you're struggling, when you're out of the form, out of the team, to just be like, <clears throat> you know what, like, thank you for, like, you can kind of, one, count your blessings, but also, like, like you can look at like i remember like this one uh one of my good friends he's like a yoga teacher and he leads a lot of retreats and stuff and from denver his name's billy uh potoknik he he would always like i'd be in his classes and he would just say thank you bless you thank you bless you 
and just like cultivate this sense of gratitude for everything that's coming in good and bad. It's like, okay, bad stuff comes. All right. Thank you. Like, okay. It's, it's a part of my experience, you know, like I can take that in, I can learn from it. Like this is here for a reason. And I think if you kind of have that, that's more of like the attitude of gratitude, which is more of like a overarching kind of how you, your perspective on life. And I think that's been helpful in times when I've been like struggling and really down on, Oh, I'm not playing or, or whatever. And, and that's what that has been very sustaining. It's, it's huge, honestly. Yeah. It can feel kind of counterintuitive to, um, to be thankful in the midst of trial and adversity. But um, as you said, it can, it, it shapes us. It forms us. Sometimes we grow best in the, in the midst of that, those, those moments. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Well, part of the, uh, the title of today's podcast was, you know, powering through preseason um, pun intended, but <laughs> you know, you're, you're giving us some great tools Dylan to, to not only power through a preseason grind, but also, life, you know, the season, the season of life and, and the things that we go through. Um, Dill, for those that don't know, um, positionally, where do you normally slot into the lineup? Where do you normally play? And, um, you know, how'd you, how'd you grow into that? Well, I started my career as a attacking midfielder and then I became a box to box midfielder and now I'm a defensive midfielder. So I'll be a center back by the next year, probably <laughs> just moving moving back the way moving back but, pretty soon a goalkeeper I, no no I've always, shout out to I've always, I've always been in the center of midfield in some capacity um and that's it's a great great position you see a lot of the ball you're active and everything and it's a very it's challenging you know cerebral position you got to be thinking always thinking ahead you got to have good ball skills you got to do both sides of the game so it's a you know it's a great position so, so if I'm right, right, and I'm a chaplain, everyone, I'm not a coach, I'm not like a tactician. You've been an eight and a 10 and a six. Have I got the numbers right? Yeah, that's right. Is, that's is right. there something else? In, am I missing? Were you like a seven's a little bit more active on the wing, right? Is that? Yeah. I mean, in Colorado, I did play a, a little bit at, on the wings, but I would say like I'm traditionally more of a, a six, eight or 10. Okay. What, what would you say, Dill, are the, good necessary traits of being in the middle of the park that way and and kind of like you could break it down by position or you could just say some generalized things you you got to be skilled you got to be good at that you already talked about seeing the ball a lot but um what what are some of those you'd say and for someone that wants to play in there i've noticed that these are the are the things that really work on in your game and and kind of cultivate as a a player technically or or tactically I, th I mentioned one of them already, but I think it's the biggest one for me is thinking ahead, like reading the game, you know, before the ball comes to you, what, what's, what's the picture look like around you and what's, what are you going to do with the ball? Or do you have a general sense of what's next? Um, so that's, that's huge. And that's, that goes around the whole pitch, but I think especially in the midfield and then just like, I think uh, awareness, like sp spatial awareness, positional awareness, like, you know, one of the big uh, kind of leaps in my career in terms of like effectiveness for me was like when I started to not just see the picture that I was in from a five, like the the um, circle around me from a 10 yard perspective, but like, where am I at in the, 
in the scheme of the entire pitch, you know, and what, mm. you know, what is, where, where am I at? Where am I at in terms of how the team, the entire, all the players on the field are balanced and where does the ball need to go from, from the macro kind of perspective. So that's maybe something that uh, helped me quite a bit. Um, and then communication, you know, that's one that especially has come on later in my career, which was, I've never been like a really loud person. I've got a soft voice, but I was taught by coaches and players. It's just something you have to cultivate to, to really get your point across and to be effective, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You have to, you have to talk, you have to talk. And I think it's easy to go inside yourself as a player Mm. Um, and you almost know like when you're tired and things aren't going well, that's when you stop talking. Mm. And I think when you're, you know, I even had one coach in Scotland who was like, he was like, just, he's like, I don't care if you don't know what to say, just commentate the game. Just say what you see, say what you see, you know? And I think that's helpful to just always be kind of talking, expressing yourself. Um, so that that's something I would say to communication. Dill, who would you say in today's modern game emulates kind of that midfielder? Like, or or is there someone you've said I've desired, I've I've I'm striving or I've striven to model my game after so and so? Who who is that for you? Or or maybe there's a couple names that come to mind. Um, I there's a, quite a few. I mean, growing up, like I always watched Javi and Iniesta from Barcelona. Um, which obviously they're not playing anymore, but um, they were just like <clears throat> so smart in like the thinking ahead aspect and knowing where they're at in the field and positionally. Um, Luka Modric is an incredible player who I've I've watched a lot. I mean, there's so many good good players to that set such a different example, and I think the cool thing is that like they all have their own flavor, and I think finding finding your own flavors can be a, the challenge sometimes is like mm. we spend a lot of time emulating and you know which is good you have to do that to kind of learn but i think one of the trickiest things is to really f- find the sweet spot of what feels right to you so that's that's an ongoing process too yeah i just just a quick note too or personal privilege here. I, I remember, I think it was your rookie year or maybe your sophomore year with us, with Rapids. Um, I have a few very distinct highlights, uh, in my mind. And I, I don't know where these come from, but I don't know if I saw some video or maybe it was an away game. Cause I have a very distinct image of seeing it through a camera lens, but you had a couple moments where you were kind of dancing on a ball and getting away from guys, uh, get turning them. And it just, I think it was that, that year you got uh, MLS rookie of the year award. And uh, I just remember thinking, man, this, this kid's gifted. Like it, it was just, it was a lot of fun to watch. So um, I have that real distinct memory of you and, and I forget what game it was. You were kind of near a sideline and uh, people were closing you down and you got away from like two or three guys. And it was just, it was really fun to watch. So um, it, it has been fun to watch. Maybe you don't have that highlight yourself in your mind, but, uh, something for us, us fan people, we, we get to have highlights of, of some yeah. of our favorite players. So, 
Um, Dylan, you mentioned you and Nina got recently married. Um, tell me about some of those traits you just mentioned, awareness, communication, reading the game, reading the room. Like how do those play into marriage? How do those play into relationship? I I had to, I had, I had to ask. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm laughing because like, there's so many parallel, like life, like life and soccer are not, they're not necessarily separate things. Like there's the same principles apply and that's maybe throughout everything. But like, I would say for us, communication, Nina and I, communication is massive. Um, and we don't always get it right. And I think we, it's been, you know, over the course of our relationship, we've been, been together maybe nine, 10 years at this point. It's been a learning process of, okay, like how, how do we communicate with each other and being, being clear and being open and expressing yourself in the way that you need to, to kind of uh, get your point across so that you're not harboring resentment so that you can kind of really let the good stuff flow. Um, Cause there's, there's stuff that comes up all the time that like will, will be a challenge to, to the relationship. Will you'll, she'll get angry at me. I'll get angry at her and learning how to express that has, is really important. And I think she has different ways of doing it. She sometimes needs a little bit more time to process and to step away and then re-enter to, to say, okay, this is, this is what, this is what you did, or this is what I'm feeling like, you know, and then I can respond or maybe for me, like I, I like to, uh, you know, kind of go attack it head on and just be like, this is, you know, this is the way, this is the way it is. Like I, I need help or blah, blah, blah. And um, <clears throat> so that's something we value a ton. Um, and I think you, and as you live with somebody long enough, you really start to understand their um, kind of what makes them tick or what, what doesn't and uh, how to really kind of cater to that. And like, the thing is like, we're all different, you know, we all, we have different love languages. We, we have different needs. And um, I guess part of the fun is like learning how to like optimally do that. But then like, realistically we're not no one's ever going to get it perfect so learning how to troubleshoot and problem solve becomes a part of the part of the daily grind of uh, being in a, a relationship and um <clears throat> i think it does come down to it comes down to communication a lot um nice. and then always coming back to like always coming back to the love you know where is it at and let that be under it's always underneath it all all the superficial problems or whatever that are going on. It's like, okay, like that's where that's our, that's our common ground, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's what kind of guides us. For a minute, talk about preseason because preseason can be pretty brutal for uh, relationships and, and for a partner, a spouse, it can be, I mean, sometimes you're separated from them for weeks, months at a time. Um, I imagine that makes communication that much more important, but, um, what's the impact that you've seen over the years as you take on preseason, how does that affect your relationships and, and the other things that, that you, even as a person. 
Yeah, it's a big it's a big energy suck for you know for lack of a better term. Like hmm. so I have less time to like I'm I'm so focused on like recovering and just like processing what happened physically that I'm I just have less to give. And I think go you know as the years have gone by we've gotten better at understanding that that's probably going to happen and even during the season to some extent um that you know there there is going to be less to give so we might have to get by with with a little bit less for both of us and um i think having that that expectation a little bit of like imperfection that some days like i'm just not going to i'm not going to be at a, a i'm not even going to be above 50 like but I think at least checking in with some sort of intentional moment, even if it's once a day, mm. like even if it's at the very end of the day, like, you know, just being there with each other in the same kind of space, because it's easy because maybe I'll be ready to, to connect, but she's onto her own thing and she's kind of not in that space and distracted. And I think, to be able to to set to not be distracted and set aside our full attention for each other at least once is um is really helpful um and i think that's it's kind of like a i don't know a starting place i think for for this time of year well, Dylan, it's been great you've given us some tools already uh gratitude communication um setting expectations intentionality rest how important are all those tools for a preseason and if we were adding to the tool belt or the toolbox you would say hey brad um you know maybe there's a a young pro uh maybe there's an aspiring pro out there um that's getting ready to to enter into a, a new season new challenge for themselves as their game progresses like how would you what would you say hey add these things to the toolbox these are pretty necessary to get through a preseason grind or or even the season grind itself yeah i think i think having a little bit of time for yourself is important too like that's not necessarily like soccer related or whatever whether that's like a little bit of just like uh i guess you're kind of like rest ethic like mm. like we're, we're working we're working we're working and yeah we'll go to sleep at night and that's rest but i think finding a moment of like whether it's you know for me journaling's huge um or just taking a minute to be to put my feet in the grass and feel the sun or watch the sunset or go for a walk just to be just to kind of turn off the, the working brain for a little bit and kind of cultivate a little bit of rest. Um, do you have any hobbies? Do you have any hobbies that you, uh, you take on in season or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, dude, I've got too, too many things, too many interests. Honestly, I feel like I, I, I wish I could be more proficient at one thing, but I can't, I just have like a little bit of like sampling right now. Um, I, I, I have a guitar. I play a little bit, a bit of guitar. I like to draw, um, journaling, um, singing, um, making music. Like there's, there's so many different things that kind of pique my interest and in, even just like learning, like reading, um, about 
you know, things that don't pertain to anything, anything that like involves soccer, um, <laughs> or that aren't necessarily productive. Like, so having that play time, I think is important as I've kind of mentioned earlier, um, even like a, a video game too, just like turning off the brain, you know, like, I think it can, it can really help you, uh, when you re-enter back into things, be a better partner, be a better, better for yourself. Like when you feel a little bit rejuvenated. So, so I can ask you for the next podcast, maybe to come up with a song and, and sing for us and do a little guitar number. <laughs> I guess, I guess I could probably make that happen. Maybe not the guitar. I'm i I'm pretty, pretty beginner, but I did a, my, my buddy and I did end up writing a song for, uh, for our, for Nina, for our wedding, which is kind of fun. I performed it. Nice. Yeah, you have to, nice. you have to ask, uh, burner how it went. Yeah. I will do that for sure. Don't, don't let him sing though. He's tone deaf. <laughs> we're going to get some footage too of, of, of that. And, uh, we're also going to get some of those, uh, family home videos that you mentioned earlier to just see the progression. Um, I'm just curious, uh, where you're playing. Uh, I'm a little jealous, but, uh, what beach is your favorite beach to, uh, go put your feet in the sand and maybe get out in the surf a little bit? Well, I'm in Newport Beach, so that one's the closest that I kind of frequent. But I'm kind of a there's a nice state park called Crystal Cove, which mm. is just down in between here and Laguna Beach, and it's a nice little getaway. Whether it's you can go down to the beach, but you can also go up into the trails. And I did a lot of trail running this this off season, and it was almost like kind of spiritual. Some of the some of the experiences up there and just like looking out over the ocean, uh, over the scenery, it's like, uh, it's a really special, really special yeah. place. Yeah. If I did not live in Denver, Colorado, I would be somewhere near San Diego. Um, my grandparents grew up in Laguna Nagal and, uh, I have great memories of being at the beach in the ocean body surfing. And uh, a few years ago, tried to do a little surfing with my daughters. Um, I didn't do so well, but it's because I'm old. Um, Dill, you mentioned too, going on some preseason runs. How, how do you best prepare for preseason? Like what, what kind of powers you through? What, what kind of gives you, gets you ready or helps you transition from season intensity? There's a little bit of a period of rest and break, but how do you keep, uh, some maintenance there so that preseason's not so difficult when you get back into it. I think that's the name of the game is like maintenance. You know, I think there's been times when I've really pushed to be like extremely fit going into preseason and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's an element of like, let me listen to where I'm at right now and, as I get older, it, it, it changes every year. Sometimes it feels mm -hmm. like I need to push. Sometimes it feels like I just need to maintain. And this year felt like I, I, I wanted to use the the training time in a different way. Like I did a lot of cross training and did a lot of trail runs I did swimming. I did um, some, you know, alternative types of weightlifting. And I think I was using the, I was actually using the, the, running to work through a lot of um uh blockages i think felt i had in my in my experiences of engaging with fatigue and you know i had someone kind of helping me through that one of my friends and just going on runs with me and we'd 
we'd run, feel something come up, and mm. uh, we talk about it. You know, I kind of feel it out, talk talk what's going through, and then okay, how do I how do I re-enter in a different way if I can? You know, because you know people don't talk about the emotional side of the game a lot. We have a lot of emotions trapped in our bodies. We have a lot of emotional blockages that show up on the field and so i i wanted to use this off season to really challenge some of those um and some of mine really show up around how i don't deal with fatigue like how when you're really pushing yourself what does your body do what's the response and so i i really use this off season to kind of tackle some of that and it was very powerful nice nice yeah you know you're you're in this place still where uh a lot of younger players that i meet don't take into consideration the emotional side, how it affects the physical side and vice versa, and even the spiritual side, how that can affect all of that. And there's between mindfulness, between some of the techniques you talked about, um, you know, there's some grounding techniques and other things that as you mature as a player, you understand your body, your body knows, right? And sometimes it, it takes us learning to listen well to our bodies, to understand our bodies differently um it seems like when you're younger you can just press on and push through sometimes and ignore that but um you really have to learn to to grow that and and understand things better so yeah um i'm a little i'm a little jealous for uh, uh colorado we got trails but they usually have snow and other things on them uh lion mountain lions and bears and and what and whatnot but um well, Dill, thanks. You, you've given us, I think, a lot to think through, um, especially for those of you listening. You, you've got your own preseason that you're in or you're facing right now. I just want to thank you for those that experience and just sharing that. And um, I'm just wondering, Dill, are you doing any um, sort of uh, personal, professional coaching with, you know, maybe there's a younger athlete or someone who's like, hey, I, I might like to learn a little bit from Dylan Powers. Do you, are you doing any of that yourself right now or are you just kind of focused in on um, the game and, and personal life right now. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I've got a few young players I connect with. I'm happy to connect with anyone. Um, have a couple programs I've developed with, um, on the mental side of the game, really around maximizing your development, taking ownership of your development with one of my old teammates, Shane O'Neill, who, you know, mm. um, but always happy to chat about this type of stuff. So, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll put some contact details for you. We we can get those after, and and I'll put those in the uh, in the podcast liner for the day. And uh, if anyone wants to listen to this podcast, wants to get in and uh, connect with Dylan Powers and maybe get some coaching or instruction or wisdom, um, I'll let them reach out to you. Well, we're going to transition now into a game that I like to play with uh, folks coming on the podcast called Crosses with Rev. So. Dylan, here's here's what it is. It's one minute, and the timer doesn't start till I've asked the first question. Um, each question has uh, it's designed to be quick fire, like I'm serving a ball into you, and you're just really taking shots on goal, uh, trying to get as many in the back of the net. You can. There might be some controversial ones here, and you're like, I don't want to say anything, so I'm gonna pass. You don't get any points for a pass. Um, and there might be some ones that that stump you a little bit. I've tried to do a little a little research. Um, and there's a point value. So either ors or true and false are kind of one point. And then a short answer, there might be a few of those uh, are worth three. 
Uh, currently, uh, 23 points is the, the leaderboard at the time. And uh, we'll get some of your other uh, teammates here playing this. Um, so you, you might actually take the, uh, the player leaderboard for the moment. Is there a right uh, answer? Are there right answers? For you, there will be right answers. And uh, I'm just going to kind of keep track of uh, these things. But there, th there might be a little bit of a test for you. So, And if we don't get through them all, um, that's okay. I have more questions than there is time. Um, so what I'm going to do is, um, when you're ready, um, how about, how about I give you a, a taste of one? Let, let's just, I, would like, a, yeah, I don't know what I'm getting into. So I'd love it. I'd love okay. it. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll throw out a generic one. Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. Okay. So you pause for a minute to think like the quicker you can be on that, uh, the okay. better it'll go for you. And, okay. uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get through some of these. If I run out. Um, I might ask you that Messi or Ronaldo question again, okay? Just in case. But I, I think I'm ready. I've got some good questions for you. All right. All right. Let's go. You ready? I'm ready. All Thanks. right. Fired up. Um, again, I'll start the timer after I ask the first question. Question one Left or right footed? Right. My favorite football club is Liverpool. Scotland or Ireland? Ooh, Scotland. <laughs> Orlando City FC or Colorado Rapids? Rapids. Veganism or carnism? Veganism. Gatorade player of the year or MLS rookie of the year? Ooh, MLS rookie of the year. Uh, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. MLS Western Conference Championship game or USL Championship? Mm, USL Championship. Dribble or pass or shoot? Pass. My favorite post-game meal is? Chipotle. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Xbox or PlayStation? Xbox. 442 or 451? 451. Kindle or physical book? Physical book, 100%. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Oh, and that's it. All right. Well, I didn't get to any of the controversial ones. I was going to ask you Pablo or Pareja. <laughs> That would have been a good one, right? Um, what about 2013 or 2016? 16. Okay. Ireland or Italy? I, I've actually never been to Italy. What? No, I don't know. I've gotten a time. How'd you get the Italian passport without being to Italy? You didn't have to go there. You know, a guy. actually that, that Scotland, <laughs> Ireland, the Ireland, Scotland question was really tough. Also, I think I lied on the Coke Pepsi. I think I'm, I'm a Pepsi guy. Oh, uh, so, so I'm going to deduct you a point there. Cause you lied. That's fine. That's all right. You, you actually did pretty good. Um, I was going to ask you California or Texas. California. Sorry. That's all right. I won't tell your parents. They probably won't listen to this uh, podcast. Um, one more window or aisle. I'll 100%. Oh, <laughs> uh, fun little fun little game. Let me let me uh let me count you up here. Eighteen points, buddy. The leaderboard's twenty three, but 
you're the first amongst players. So you currently sit atop the leaderboard. And uh, I don't know if Burner or Watsy will play this game, but um, you got a good run, and I will I will keep it really hard for them too. So yeah, well done, well done. It was oh no, actually 19 points. I had an extra question in there on the USL Championship. Um, yeah, 2016. I forget 2016. Were you were you playing against who do we lose to? Was it LA? Or, no, Seattle, no, yeah. Seattle. Where where were you? I I don't. All I remember is is Gashi for some reason, and and I remember uh, who left the team that year from. Uh, he had come from Philadelphia, played just one year with us. Uh, Latou. Um, Sebastian, I remember, I remember him. That was, that was the last game he played for us. Like last time I saw him. Um, yeah. What, what was your memory of that, that night? That was, that was a tough night. That was probably one of the more painful nights for me as a volunteer chaplain for Rapids. I thought personally, I thought I actually played pretty well. And I thought, yeah, I, I was disappointed with our attacking group. I remember that day. Um, I felt like they were, I thought we were getting a lot of balls through the lines. I thought they were trying to play one touch too much, and we turned over a lot of balls and couldn't get get much of an attacking rhythm. And then once the Sounders scored, I think we had to score three goals. So it was like – it was kind of killer. I think they scored early in the second half, and it was like, oh, Because really it was like the, the way leg is what killed us because we had uh, – I think we were up – or we had tied at 1-1 or something, and – and then we gave up a penalty mm. and for them to win. Because if we had gone away and gotten a result 1-1 away, we could have drew nil-nil at home, I think. Yeah. Or gone through. If we didn't need to win the game or score three goals if we got scored on. So I remember yeah. uh I remember that night. It must have been before the goal. Um I looked over, uh Denny Castillo was there. And he just, we looked at each other and he's like, I think we're going to win this. Like we, there was this like sense of maybe it's because there were quite a few balls into the final third, even though we weren't connecting on them. Um, and Denny just had a, a feeling and I was, I was hopeful. Um, but I remember, yeah, watching that, that first away leg feeling just like, oh, and I remember being frustrated. I've been around MLS long enough. I was frustrated. I was like, why do we, you know, why do we start on the road? Like start at home and then go on. Like I, I felt like something, Yeah. Ev- yeah. every playoff, I have something about how MLS does their playoffs yeah. that frustrates yeah. me. But that was one of them that year for sure. Cause I was like, if we had started at home, different story, but yeah. That was a fun group, fun year. Well, Dylan, if you don't mind, I, I want to end tonight's pod, uh, end the pod today for with a blessing for everyone kind of undertaking preseason preparation right now. So um, blessing for coaches and athletes and the team staff, front office staff. So uh, I'm just going to kind of close it up that way, if that's cool with you. Please. God, the thrill of a new year, the potential of a new season. Bless now the preparations that are underway. Strengthen heart, mind, body, and soul to ready for the challenge and the time that lies ahead. Bless each blade of grass bent under the striving of athletes. Bless each whiteboard of strategy and tactic cheat. May they stay intact. Bless each ticket sold and competition spectated. Protect bodies from injury. 
Protect minds from mental strain and fatigue. Protect hearts from discouragement and fear. Bless each one, no matter what role. For the athletes, great and small. For coaches, confident or new. For training staff with their hands of healing. For team staff, their organization and support. May each one power through preseason with your strength and power into the bountiful opportunity of the season ahead. Amen. Dylan, thanks for joining me. Real pleasure to have you on, and we'll definitely have to get Burner and Watsi in and uh, get get a little bit more banter for next time. So. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it. That's great. Well, everyone, this has been Rev Brad and Dylan Powers coming to you from the Touchline. <laughs>